0: All right, everybody. What What is this? Houston Ensemble it's 38? Eight. Th- number 38 with Robert Ellis. <laughs> the man. I was really, really looking forward to this one. We were already talking a bunch of silliness. Uh, Let's keep it silly, uh, (laughs) because right before this one, right before this one, we had another episode that was way more serious. So, (laughs) um, Robert, what's going on? Tell us a little about what you're doing, what you've been up to, what is Robert Ellis all about?
1: Hey, guys. Uh, I've been... It's been a weird year. I've, obviously, I've, I play music and, um, you know, have been doing that in a different capacity for years. Um, but this last year, I've, I've just been at home and um, I'm not touring. I'm kind of just, like, retired, like half retired maybe. Um, I don't know. Like I think right now I'm kind of living my best life. Like, today I woke up. I played piano for a little bit. And then I had to go to the studio. We're mixing a record that we produced. And I did that for about an hour and a half, worked on some vocal comps. And then I came home and started building furniture. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's basically been my vibe for like the like last it. year. It's It's been lovely, actually, not going on tour for it.
0: <laughs> The touring <laughs> thing can be fun until it's not, right? Uh, right? I, I was exhausted by it. Like last year,
1: right when all this shit happened, I was like, you know everyone was panicking like we're not going to be able to tour anymore and i've Mm -hmm. I've been doing it for 10 years so i was uh very psyched to be at home um Mm -hmm. and i'm sure you guys have experienced this but like i just have more time to practice and like do real meaningful practice like like seriously shedding like reading new books and transcribing stuff like i just wasn't able to do that while touring all the time you know you're Mm -hmm. in a Mm -hmm. band constantly so Mm -hmm.
2: I feel like we're touring now because I feel like I can never
0: shed yeah I mean <laughs> I mean but also we are in a sense shedding all the time in different ways you know it's true. By, by staying busy yeah. But I got no complaints about that but I was thinking with Robert man like cause you said you had been touring 10 years and I was like let me think 10 years and I went back in time 10 years and I think literally 10 years ago I saw you act. What is that place? Cactus Records? Was it Cactus Records? Yeah, yeah I saw you there putting on a, a show and it was in Cactus Records was promoting it and the whole thing. And there was press there and and then I I remember, you know, at that moment I was like, "See, it's beginning." I'm like, <laughs> I could ju- I'm like that's it. This guy is going to start touring, you know. That's it. Yeah. And and that was the end of that. And then after that, I feel like I didn't see you for a while. <laughs> but I saw I kept seeing uh Mr. Doyle, our good friend Kelly Doyle. I kept and I, I off and on I would see Joffrey. Because Joffrey went back in the good old days when he used to play that banjo. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Those are the fun times when we have to just play some gypsy jazz you know out there in manil park that's how we all met yeah that's how
1: all of us met like i was living just right off uh right off the park there used to be these apartments called Richmond square and that was like the first spot i ever moved in houston yeah and Mm -hmm. i would go over to manil and you know like just uh be super out of it um and walk around the museum and uh and i met joffrey joffrey was playing banjo in the park and yeah i was like oh i want to i'm gonna bring my guitar over and uh we knew like all the same tunes like Uh he you know it's just they're weird dudes like at that time i had just moved to houston and was just my mind was blown that there were people that liked jazz and bluegrass and Mm -hmm. you know like western swing and knew all these country tunes and like Mm -hmm. They could just hang on anything and so we would just sit and jam like you know any type of music um, and then he was super into like um we had a band called i am mesmer that was just like a really weird amalgamation of um like a bunch of tunes in 11 and seven and like weird croatian folk songs that he like adapted you know he just he, those dudes had a really cool ear
0: y'all got y'all went deep on that on that that real like synthy stuff like synthy gypsy like the real shit (laughs) and i love that stuff too there's like lots of poly polymeter music that they do and like intense in like intricate melodies and right i mean it's just like yeah
1: but it feels dancy
0: like when you're listening to it
1: you don't ever think like oh this is mathy like it just feels Mm -hmm. like one like I don't. I don't think that those uh, time signatures are weird to them. No. So they don't approach them in this way of like, oh, we have to count. You know what I mean? No. Like, it's just like, oh, this is just how we did it when we wrote this tune, and everyone like feels that.
0: Well, that I'll sense. tell you what's weird. Like, I, I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but like, as long as I remember, even when I was a wee lad, like four years old, you know, we would have dinner with other families and it would be a more traditional Armenian dinner. And then all of a sudden my dad would bust out the traditional, what's called the kemenche. It's like it's like a violin, but if you play it like this. Cool. Uh, you
3: know what I'm mm.
0: But um, there's many, many instruments like that in that region. And, but I digress. So they would just bust into music. The dudes would usually play the instruments the the women of the family would just bust into dance and it was extremely polymeter like they just knew the steps they yeah. weren't like you said like they weren't like counting and shit you know they just knew these steps but i'm like this is like this shit isn't nine you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like what and it would just be uh it, it's just really nuts it's only and... hard when you have to explain it to someone exactly you know what mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> like... exactly and the Manila is so cool, cause dude, Chad and I, uh, when the when the uh, the pandy, the pand uh, the pandemic thing hit, um, we were busking pretty much at Manila, mm-hmm. like constantly, cause everything was shut down, right? And that place is literally where opportunities happen for some reason, dude. <laughs> Yeah. yeah.
1: It's, it's like the it's the center of town. I mean like in yeah. my mind when I moved to Houston, it wasn't downtown like there wasn't really anything happening downtown. I feel like mm-hmm. now there's there's right. like places to hang, but definitely that like Montrose, um just that like the Manil being at the center of it. Like I probably lived in ten different places on that square. You know what I mean like in that little four block radius like mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where everyone lived until we all couldn't afford it anymore. Um, you know, it was, uh, it, that was just like the, the scene. And that's why I moved there, really. Uh, somebody took me to Houston on a trip and showed me that museum. And like, when we went and looked, that's when I found Richmond Square. I was like, oh, this is the dream life. I can just um, walk over to this park every day and like mm-hmm. sit at the Roscoe. you know? Mm-hmm.
2: Hey, for me and everybody else who doesn't know a ton about you, where are you from? and how did you get here
1: i'm from south of houston like lake jackson area um just down 288 it's like uh-huh. an hour away you know um Freeport, lake jackson mm-hmm. uh, and i was coming up to houston as a kid because it was like the closest you know real city um and i would come up and play weird shows in spring and like i don't know at that time we were like booking our own shows so everything was like at community centers and uh Like off rayford and sawdust or something you know um but from the time i had a car i was like coming up to houston all the time to see music and um you know like play weird little gigs and then when i when i got to be i was like 16 i dropped out of high school and shortly after that i moved up to houston and um (coughs) that i lived right by the menil and it was such a weird time so i i like grew up uh, my mother was a piano teacher and when i was younger i had this guitar teacher um that was at the local music store and when he left to go tour with a band when i was in like eighth grade he was like you're the only student of mine that could take over all my lessons do you want to start teaching so Mm -hmm. in like eighth grade i started teaching at this local music store and it was a good gig but then when i moved to houston i went to rock and robin that was like I was like oh I need a job and uh, went to Skiles this guy who owned it at the time was just like I'm a teacher do you do you need anybody and he was like oh my God we're so slammed and hired me on the spot and that was like my first gig there was teaching at Rock and Robin and eventually like Joffrey and Will and all those guys all started working there and uh, oh, wow. yeah it's a weird weird scene but it all just happened in like the you know span of a couple months. Um, I
0: I was introduced to the rock and robin scene. Uh, are they still around? What's the last yeah. you've heard of them? They're still yeah, cool, cool, cool. they're
1: hustling. I think they're selling stuff online and like, okay. I mean, I follow their Instagram uh, and they'll post something at least once a week that I'm like, oh god, I want that. That looks so rad. Mm, uh, sweet. I think they've got it figured out. You know.
0: Good.
2: And another thing for people like myself who don't know all the ins and outs about you. Can you maybe describe your music?
1: Yeah. um, I've been making records, uh, like we said, for 10 plus years. And I guess I would be in like the Americana folk um, country genre. Um, Like the early stuff that we made um, in Houston was, we started doing this thing called Whiskey Wednesday, where we played a bunch of old classic country covers. And we did this weekly gig at mangoes um on westheimer we did this weekly gig for a couple years and um and right around that time i made my first like solo release album and it was very steeped in like classic country it also had like a some folky paul simon elements um and then since then i kind of have been stuck in that uh world i guess like those are the people i play with but um I, I don't know. I, it's hard to say with your own music. I definitely sing uh, like I'm from Texas. So I think maybe that's the first thing people hear. But um, I, I would describe our music as like weird left of center Americana. Like often mm-hmm. the, the people we play with don't have changes in their music. You know, like there's no like like you would never have a bridge in an Americana song do like what it would do in an Ellington tune, like go to an unrelated key right. or something. So, mm. to me, that's a difference worth noting. But I don't know that people hear it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like... that's a cool way um, to describe it. Yeah, it's yeah weird, weird Americana. Um, but it's been it's been difficult because I think that a lot of the people that like that stuff, they can't even put their finger on why they don't like what we're doing. Mm. But, but like, when we do, like, a solo section or something and Kelly takes a solo, like, even though he's seriously ripping and it's incredible, I think most people in that genre are used to hearing, like, a blues guy rip a minor pentatonic. And there's mm. something that is, like, just gutturally more exciting about that to them than what we're doing.
0: <laughs> so, but, so Kelly, I, but Kelly can do that stuff. Yeah, that yes. That's shreddy blue stuff.
1: He can. He he does the the times he does it, I feel like he's being sarcastic to me.
0: That's the thing. He <laughs> that's the thing. He just he likes to troll a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. likes to play that weird stuff. What
2: does yeah. what does Kelly play? I know Kelly by name, but I don't know anything about him.
1: He plays electric. Electric, okay, cool. Um I he's know Joffrey he's, now. he's unbelievable. I mean, you should I I don't know if he's playing out, but like the dude is a freak he he's like an insanely good country guitar player who can like burn jazz tunes and has mm. a harmonic knowledge and he'll like arrange you know standards with all like b bender telly style stuff but oh, um, cool it's cool he rules
2: and are you in houston right now
1: i'm in fort worth actually
2: you're in so, fort worth
1: yeah i moved here At the beginning of the pandemic because um there's a studio here called nile city that i work at a lot and um you know basically since the pandemic i've primarily just been producing other people and it just made sense like the studio is five minutes away and like nobody does anything anywhere so it didn't really matter
2: (laughs) so you are a pure testament that if you put your mind to it you can drop out of high school never go to college and be successful
1: yeah, I don't know. I mean, success. <laughs> uh, yeah, like. Well, I- success
2: <laughs> is relative. Well, yeah,
1: success is relative.
2: Are you having a good time?
1: I am. Yeah, I got to hustle. You know, yeah. like to, to make money. But, um, but I love. I mean, I get to play music. I don't have like other jobs, mm-hmm. so that's nice. You know. Um, but yeah, you guys know the hustle. We
3: love it and, and
0: what and what is success is getting a Grammy success you know and what what is success you know um, I'm on the billboard top one hundred or whatever you know I don't know because success can just be looking like following your thing a hundred percent and then it's just like in line with everything you love that's mm-hmm. it, yeah. that's what success really is, you know people talking about you know um. You know, uh, uh, any remedial job being if they if they want to say any remedial job is more valuable than what we're doing. It's like, I don't know. Are you sure you are you so sure that you like? And here's the thing. Full disclaimer before I before I like talk shit a little bit about the remedial jobs. Um. People who have these jobs are very brave and they're sacrificing a lot and sometimes truly it's like they need to do that stuff because they have a family they have things to worry about and that's it so it, it, it takes a, a lot of courage to do that stuff and i'm not decking those people but i'm decking the system because who wants to who wants to be in an hour traffic to work then you sit on your behind for like eight hours, then you have an hour. You're just, you're like loving the 10-minute bathroom break you got where you're just like letting it all out, and you're on your phone. That's like your freedom time, right? You're pedaling the little foot workout thing under your desk. You're pedaling the foot workout, you're squeezing the stress ball, (laughs) and then you have an hour ride home where you plop on your couch and you turn on the TV and you're like, thank God I'm in front of my – hypnotization machine right now so i can forget about everything yeah (laughs) i mean what
1: what i think what it boils down to though is just like regardless of what job you're doing if you're living your life for some moment in the future like whether that's getting home from work and mm -hmm. you know like there's sacrifices for everything but to me yeah success is like just being able to constantly do that thing that is the thing you want to do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. which obviously if what you want to do is, you know, like play video games and eat cheeseburgers all day, that's not going to pay money. So you got to like it make, you know. It could though. You know, we we're
2: having this conversation yesterday. Everybody, I feel like in our kind of education system, but also just in our culture in general, we're not exactly brought up to follow our natural passions we're kind of always put into a box where they'd be like okay yeah you have to go through the school you have to go through college and then you're going to find something that's lucrative and that'll hopefully make you a bunch of money and you know if you happen to be good at math well why don't you just go into engineering but maybe you don't like engineering so much and what we were talking about yesterday is that everybody has a passion. And everybody could follow that passion. And for example, some people do have a passion of working with numbers and data. And they actually would love to sit behind a computer and just crunch numbers all day. And then they'd feel rewarded for it and they'd feel like they're doing something. And then you have other people who love playing video games and maybe they've gotten so amazing at video games that hey, they'd be like, yeah, come test your video game tester guy, whatever. And you can eat cheeseburgers while you do it. Um, long story short, I'm just saying, I feel like everybody should really follow their passion. I feel like you're a great example of that. And I barely know you. And it's like, you said, I'm going to do this. Why'd you drop out of high school? What was the reason? If you don't mind me asking.
1: It was a lot of things. I, so I was like 16, 17 and, uh, I knew I wanted to play music. You know, it's like, it was in my family. I grew up, but it's kind of similar, uh, Armin to like what you were saying. Like it was just around You know, like at family events, people Mm -hmm. had guitars and were playing tunes. And it was like, it was just like a huge part of my life from the time I was like a tiny baby. There was, you know, people ask you like, when did you know? I'm like, I don't know if I ever didn't know. You know, like it just happened so early. Like I don't, it just, Mm -hmm. it just always seemed like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to play music. Um, But at the time, uh, you know, like 16, 17, I just felt like the course being offered to me was gonna take a long time. And it's what we were just talking about. Like, go to finish high school, go to college. I wanted to go to school for jazz or something, you know, and like everyone encourages you like go to college and then, you know, maybe get a teaching degree and you could teach at university. And it just always felt like I don't, I don't want to teach, like that's actually not what I want to do. I want to play. And I was just like, I should just start playing. And right at sixteen, seventeen, through random happenstance, I got this really weird gig playing bass in this punk rock band. That um, their bass player broke his foot, and it was like a big uh, American, you know, tour. And I just was like, well, I can't stay in high school. And like, you know what I mean? Like, if I'm gonna start playing shows and stuff, and touring, like, I'm not gonna be allowed to do this. Um, And it was very difficult. Definitely, like, my parents were super bummed out. But shortly thereafter, once I was, like, actively doing a career in music, you know, my mom was like, oh, you made the totally the right decision. I just couldn't have said that at the time because who's going to encourage their kid to drop out of high school, you know?
2: (laughs) That's amazing that they even let you do that.
1: Yeah. it, it It was when I turned, like, I think in Texas, it's 17, 16, 17. And it was like on the like i planned it out you know wow. on the day that i was legally allowed to i was just mm-hmm. like all right see ya um and yeah i mean i went to like like junior college um after that and played in the jazz band and like tried to you know get my basics while i was like writing songs and doing that stuff but a couple years of that too and i was like ah, i don't really want to go to college what's funny now is at 30 you know 32 years old the idea of going to school for music is like super exciting like (laughs) i think now if it was offered to me i would sign up in a heartbeat Mm -hmm. like if i just had time and i didn't have to worry about bills and stuff like just all you got to do is study and transcribe solos like that sounds
0: (laughs) really fun yeah
2: it is it is a time that you don't get back
0: you don't know what you have until you have it and then you're like oh shit (laughs) So let me just say you probably didn't miss miss out on too much, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I think you did what, again, full disclaimer, because, look, so many people that I know work for these institutions, number one. I used to, you know, be involved in these institutions as well. So it's like I'm not going to sit here and say that it was all bad, okay? That would be preposterous. But what I am going to say is, um, there's, a, there's a considerable lack of practical data, mm. practical information in a lot of music schools. Uh, they're, they're making efforts now more and more to improve that. But you know, every music school should tell you how to promote yourself,
3: mm. mm-hmm. how
0: to connect on the stage. You know how to be choosing between being an entertainer or an artist or what's the work in between and what the benefits and all that stuff this is the ta- that tangible
2: how to roll a proper joint
0: how to roll you know you know all that stuff <laughs> yeah. is very important for musicians to have practical how to hang knowledge yeah how, i mean but what's? why do hap- you
1: think that it is? why do you think that they don't
0: like why is that not not a part of the curriculum well i'll tell you it's very simple um Every single curriculum in an institution of that nature is designed to either do either two things. They're encouraged to create a perfect employee of some sort into some industry other than the institution itself, or they're encouraged to become a perfect faculty member for an institution.
3: Yeah.
2: Let me go off of that real quick. I graduated from the Shepherd School of Music at Rice University here, and... One thing that I noticed there after my four years was that, not even noticed, actually their whole thing is to create the perfect orchestral musician and they're the best at it. They have like the highest placement for orchestras in the country and their training is based on that. So you don't, you don't learn anything else in that school besides classical music theory and how to play in an orchestra or how to do chamber music. And for me, it was interesting because after, in my first year, my freshman year, I was going to this place, Cafe 4212 on Almeda Street, which had a Monday night jam session. And somebody from Cincinnati where I'm from told me about it and said, you should go. And I remember going the first time and I had no idea what I was getting into. And I was like, one, I stuck out like a sore thumb. But that was fine i didn't care about that and i went up to the mc and i said hey can i can i play and he was like can you play can you swing i was like ah i think so i think and i played a tune or two and it went fine but i kept going every monday and then i got so much more steeped in the jazz side of houston and then i went and studied abroad and i got even more steeped in it and i came back and i was like wow i'm really realizing a lot of things are Another example is I went to Aspen Music Festival and played in all the orchestras there, and I was like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. My point is, when I came back from all that and really realized more what I wanted to do, it actually created a sort of, mm, created a little something at the school where they're like, he's not going to represent us statistically necessarily because... I'm not going to graduate and immediately go to an orchestra, thus the placement percentage goes down. Now, I don't want to ruin their percentage, that's for sure. But at the same time, I still need to follow my heart, and thankfully my teachers, my bass teachers were totally cool. They support me in anything I do, but I remember getting a lot of backlash for even wanting to go and study abroad in Europe, and they're like, you know that with your scholarship, you're taking money away from the school. He said that to me in the meeting in front of my teacher as well. And I said, are you serious, man? The merit scholarship that I have, you're worried about that taking money away from the school. And also we've got millions and millions in endowments. So it's not like they're really missing that much, but that was a little off-putting. And that really kind of changed my perspective on all that.
1: <laughs> are you sold yet? Oh my gosh. But like, that's, that's
2: one instance. And I have to say my whole experience was, truly positive i learned so much but these are just little things on the back end that i think are very important and they did really affect my opinion of one the classical music world and two of what i wanted to do in the future
1: well maybe the issue in general with all things is just balance because i'm sure now yeah you know knowing you don't want to play classical music for a living you know like and do that be in a symphony and, and do that route like i you know i grew up playing like classical piano and like I think i hated it when i was a kid you know like i think at some point i was like oh i don't want to do this i want to do something else i want to play rock and roll like whatever now i definitely it's a huge part of my practice still and i listen to it so much and i love it you like i'm sure being removed from it now like you hear a piece like that you really like and you're like oh my god this music's incredible yeah it's just that like if they i think if they gave you the options you know and that that's another thing getting back to the genre thing like it just always bugs me out just in general that there's like a there's like a specific costume for every genre and like a specific set of rules mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. That you just have to like play by the rules or you're like not you know that exists in the professional world like what i was saying about americana music i definitely have felt jilted because people are like oh you guys are you're weird like you don't have the same influence as us, you know, like, I don't know, we I, like, we, I would joke, we would do this thing at the end of every set, um, on this one tour, where we would do like a big free improv, uh, just like, noise thing. And usually it would be in front of an audience that is like, expecting to hear country music, and I think <laughs> give them a fair amount of that. But we would do just like a straight up just like 15 minutes of just free improv. And I would always say like this tune is dedicated to Eric Dolphy or Ornette Coleman like and these would be names that would just like disappear into the audience like no one in the audience had ever heard of Ornette Coleman which I find unbelievable but it's just like and generally people I had like comments we would joke about would be like um you know I loved your set but um there was that one part where you guys were tuning up um (laughs) 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 they you know like they would just completely like Have no reference point for it and like be very like judgy about what music is supposed to be you know what i mean
2: wow (laughs) that's cool though i'm really that's funny that you did that i like that
3: Um, Uh, on a level of
2: one to ten how much can you hear what's going on behind us right now
1: i can't hear anything
2: oh perfect they are uh digging underneath our house
1: Oh my goodness!
2: And uh, repiping the whole house. We've been almost a month without water at this point.
1: Oh my God! Is it because of the the freeze? Yeah. Oh, that's. Uh, we had two pipes burst, and I keep. I had some stuff on hand and was able to patch them up, but I turned the water off immediately. And I'm probably going to start uh, in a couple weeks. I'm just going to redo the whole house with pecs and like, oh, well. call it a day because we have copper piping and it's just meant
2: to explode sell that (laughs) copper keep the copper and sell it
0: (laughs) on the black market robert e lee ellis senior dude (laughs) tell us about the crazy crazy things you've been thinking about nothing in particular whatever comes to mind let's go deep okay we're, okay. we're like, we're trotting around, we're like, oh yeah, music, this and that. We, we already know all that stuff.
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> um, crazy things I'm thinking about. Oh,
0: come on, there's gotta be one.
1: Uh, it's, I don't know, my brain's been pretty basic. I'm
0: kinda, Oh.
1: I'm kinda like in a...
2: Let me guess, you're wearing a MAGA hat.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That, no, I actually found this in my floorboard. I don't know what it's from, yeah. but it's it's from like 1980.
2: Clearly. Tuna? Does that say a tuna Christmas? Oh, yeah, that's I sweet. Like,
1: I this house is from 1904, oh, and so oh. all these projects, I like tore up a bunch of floorboards, and this was like buried in the insulation inside of one of the floorboards. Wow. Oh wow! And I don't know what this is at all, but no, it's not a maga hat. It's definitely not a
0: maga hat. A tuna Christmas. <laughs> we gotta true. we gotta look that up. I'm not,
2: that's crazy that's a weird find
0: you literally found an ad campaign from like some random point in history man that's kind of cool being in a house from
2: 1904 do you ever experience anything weird in there you ever feel poltergeists
1: i just i'm not i'm pretty like uh non-believer uh my my wife is into that stuff and she swears that our house is haunted um I I, knew
2: it was. I could feel it.
1: I haven't heard anything. I have questions. There was something
2: behind you at one point, and I was like, wow, that's weird.
1: I have a whole lot. Ghosts to me, the whole idea creates way too many questions. Like, I just want to know, like, if there are ghosts, why do they always seem to be like, you know, like, okay, so people die, and then their spirits linger around for a while, and then they haunt areas. What about, like, People have been dying for so long, like yeah. for a really long time. Why is it always like some Victorian lady in like a house uh. from, you know what I mean? Like, why are the only ghosts- That's we part of be? it.
0: You're asking the right <laughs> questions, but also That's there's part of the other population. questions you don't see. <laughs>
1: like there's so many dead people. Like yeah. where are where all, of, like, why are there not caveman ghosts?
2: Like- True. <laughs> there, You know, there could be, I'm yeah. not exactly sure. I also think of it in a sense like if ghosts are a thing, I don't really know which way to believe. I'll be honest with you. I've had an experience that just wigged me out. You know what I'm going to tell you because it's kind of important. I'm not going to give the full detail for liability's sake, but I was at my girlfriend's house and we were having a very spiritual night and we had done some tarot card readings and We were just getting really in there, trying to be very aligned, and all the tarot card readings were very on point. And I can't even really say that I'm somebody who's like into all of that. She has the deck. She's into it a lot. I'm down with it. I love it. Let's do it. But the readings were just spot on to the point where it did give me chills at some points based on the questions that we asked. But then at a point, we were just lying in bed and oh, I just remembered a couple of things that make this important. Uh, the door was cracked so I could see just the little line of light from outside and I knew it was cracked and that door is very hard to close. It's like an old house and it's all like, it's like slam it shut to get it really closed. And during the tarot card reading, we had actually invited ghosts into the home or into the room. And I made sure to declare it as positive. I don't want any negative stuff, just in case. I don't even know if that works, but I said it just in case.
0: You know what I'm saying? You gotta cover your (laughs) bases.
2: And, uh, okay, so we did the tarot card readings, crazy, blah, 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 blah. Then we're we're lying down in bed. We're kind of trying to go to sleep. All of a sudden, I hear (laughs) And the door totally slams closed, all the way closed. And hard, too, not even soft. And the AC was not on, so I don't believe it was a suction sort of atmospheric thing. Immediately when the door closed, the uh, light kind of like behind us shut off. Now, the light is on an hour timer, so it will shut off after an hour. However, it was like boom, boom. It was like, and I was like, God damn, okay, okay. Weird, And so I was freaked out and I'm still lying in bed. And I was like, uh, did you hear that? And she's like, yeah, what was that? And I was like, the door just slammed shut. She was a little more tired than I was, so she didn't think as much of it. But then I was looking at the wall and I was looking at this kind of Egyptian circle picture that she has. And I noticed, uh, I was like, is this space? Like if you just were to grab space in front of you, it kind of started to look like a heat field, like when you see heat and it's kind of waving like that. And then I kept looking at it more and more and I was like, what am I looking at? Like a ball of energy? And then all of a sudden the ball started to move over and over and over towards the curtains. And then I was like, holy fuck. And I, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) And then I went to her and I was like, yo. I'm seeing like something moving in the room. And then I got under the covers even more, and I looked up and I saw like a smoke energy start to come over the bed. <laughs> I was scared shitless, to say the least. I did. And then I didn't want to go back into that house for a long time. Uh, I have not witnessed anything since. but that really changed me, yeah. and I don't know what it is. I think maybe again not going into super detail my perception was widened and maybe i was able to kind of see through a veil a little bit more but um
0: bro i'm gonna tell you right now if if any door is shutting on me like that and then i'm seeing any kind of smoke going i'm burning the house down and i'm leaving
1: (laughs) yeah just declare it like that is gonna be quarantine. we're done yeah I want to I would put a, one of those circus tents over the whole house. Oh. They, yeah.
2: <laughs> that's like breaking bad.
1: Yeah. And just leave it, just walk away.
2: That's funny. I, to, I Go ahead, go ahead.
1: I just I was just going to say I don't I mean, nothing like that has ever happened to me and I
0: sure.
1: I I want it to. You know what I mean? Like but I'm also I don't I'm so skeptical. I don't know that it could happen to
0: me. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs>
2: on a more serious note would you describe yourself as like a spiritual person or a straight up materialist die done
1: i'm pretty materialist okay i i i definitely believe that um i guess it would be closer to like a buddhist philosophy version of like like yes, I think that when we die, like the people we are, like our names, like that's over. I think that I, sure, yeah. you know, like identity, uh, is is something that I am maybe a little spiritual about. Like whoever you are specifically will die, and that is true. But it kind of doesn't matter because you aren't actually who you think you are specifically anyway. Mm. But I wouldn't say that I'm spiritual in like the, um, yeah, like. I guess all of my ideas about identity, about like personal individualism and things like that, they play into this, like things sound woo-woo to me when you try and imagine an afterlife or you try and imagine like, you know, past lives or, or like all of that stuff seems crazy to me because it's like trying to imagine you specifically who you are when you don't even exist. If, if that makes sense
0: <laughs> that's like... a wonderful way of putting that actually I like that you know what's even just just crazier than all of that even <laughs> is like just look at your hand and just oh, j- just acknowledge for one second that you're a meat suit walking around yeah. and having a conscious experience on some speck of dust somewhere you don't even know where you're you don't know where you're at You actually don't know where you are, who you are, or what you are at any given moment. And we are all acting like we do, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Unless we do on some even greater level that maybe we are. Like, for example, I don't know if you're familiar with something called the Akashic Records, which is basically the book of souls. And it's one soul. But it's also the book of souls in the sense that when people go inside and access the Akashic records, they can see who their soul has been through all of eternity. It's a cool thought. I don't, I mean, I've never, I actually was really practicing it one time when I was overseas and just trying to meditate on that and i was reading so much about it and i was like okay i'm gonna do this like every night and really try and access my akashic record and one night i did have a very interesting visualization and uh they're they're supposed to be like what maybe a name or some a word will pop into your head name more name and the name that i got was the word sangwa and i was like where where in the world did I get that? Like I saw it, S O N G H U A, just popped into my head, and that was what stuck with me. And I'm not saying that's it or not. I'm just saying that is what I saw, and that's what stuck with me. And I looked it up, and I realized that it's a, a river in China. And I was like, wow, I've never even looked. I've never looked that up. I don't ever remember coming across it. But interesting you that know, that just popped say, into my head.
0: I've been told that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just bullshitting. He doesn't.
1: <laughs> I think that stuff like. I all of that stuff is super interesting and like like, you know, if the, the whole thing that you're talking about with the Book of Souls, like it sounds similar to me to this Hindu idea that like everything is like the world is a play, you know, like that all mm. of it is just like God or whatever the like ultimate divine thing is. It's all that thing pretending to be a bunch of other individual things for mm. the enjoyment of like play you know like it's all a big show and it's all God deceiving himself that he is like not God at all Ooh. at all times like that's the game you know what mm. I mean and, and this goes on in that philosophy for like millions and millions of years and they alternate on these arbitrary like kalpas that like every four million years or something this cycle repeats and it's like birth and then life and then death and it's like all of these mm-hmm. things but they all just kind of say the same thing which is just like it's just one big thing that likes to pretend it's not mm-hmm. and that's the whole game mm-hmm. <laughs> you know is beautiful
0: i like that and i i, and I was gonna say because because sometimes we like to do good, good cop, bad cop. So what I'm going to do is uh, he's going to go spiritual cop and I'm going to go science cop. On awesome. So check this out. There's three science cop things I would say right now. <laughs> Number one, we do have clinical data, clinical evidence to support that brain activity continues for many, 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 many hours after death. We don't even know what the limit is. We've we've measured it up to a day, I think so. But past that, we haven't done the measurements. It could be a week. We don't know yet. Yeah. That's creepy.
1: Do you think, though, that that has to do with our sliding, ever-changing uh, pronouncement of death? Like, did you know yeah. that, like, 100 years ago, we would pronounce people dead that were, like, totally not dead? And, right, like, Totally. our, you know, we just, like, yeah. our understanding of what dead is. Yes, is yeah. and is check this out.
0: <laughs> Moreover on that, But people who have been resuscitated after six, seven, eight hours, I promise you, I will link it in the description. I know what I'm about to say is ridiculous. But these people are able to recount conversations and people that were in the room Mm. while they were dead. Uh, Which is their brains,
1: their brain's still active.
0: The brain was still very much active. Their hearts were not working. Their lungs were not working. None of the other body functions were working. Okay. Second science cop thing. Oh, man, I even forgot it. I'll, I remembered the third one. I forgot the second one. Go to the third. And then... I'll go to the third one. The string theory has been scrapped for the most part in the past decade. Yeah. They're like, it was cool, but we couldn't reconcile a lot of issues. They're moving on to something like related to supersymmetry and what they sometimes refer to as a multidimensional tesseract. And they're thinking that the multiverse exists because of there's just one huge multiversal membrane that interacts with our sub pockets, sub-universes in a different way, giving them the physical characteristics that we have in this universe, different characteristics they might give to that universe, so, we're, we're looking into this theory right now. It's very weird, but it seems to suggest that the reason we all are like feeling, like in ritualistically, the idea that like we're all connected and that there's a super consciousness, blah, 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 is that in a physical sense, that literally is true. You know, we, we, are, we are literally all interacting with like a multi universal energy. And, and the connections we feel are those energetic bonds, but we just don't have the science to explain what that even fucking is yet. Mm-hmm. So at some point, what I'm seeing might happen is like, we're like, we figure out, we're like, oh, this is what the fuck we were talking about the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's going to blow our minds. I just, I'm just not sure what that is.
1: I can't wait for that. Because that, that's the thing. Yeah. When people ask that question, are you spiritual? It's kind of hard to answer because I'm like presented with anything that makes sense. I'm like, cool. I love the idea. I just am not one for, um, you know, like belief, you know, like belief is a big, difficult thing.
2: Sure. Yeah. People,
1: probably because of the way I grew up and that like goes into all this shit like ghosts and um, past lives and all like, I'm just like astrology. I'm like, it takes a a considerable leap on my part to say like okay there might be something here and but you know to me I think some of the things that I believe I feel like other people when I explain them like the idea that uh, individual consciousness is like kind of a tragic accident like I find it that like us having this self-awareness we're kind of the only thing that you know like we have a ton of anxiety because of it and we like don't exist in harmony with the rest of the universe i mm-hmm. think it was an accident i don't think there was any design to it and I, like to me it just is like kind of unfortunate that we have you know like <laughs> that we can't just exist in harmony with everything else mm-hmm. but i think most people's worldview is the opposite it's like the fact that we have individual consciousness is like this great gift and it must mean something it must mean god like made humans like the most important thing and Mm -hmm. i i just think that it was just an accident and we just have to deal with it
0: a fucking (laughs) a tremendous accident though
1: if
0: if we if we go very literally we started off with carbon and some other core elements no not even that we started with, with dark matter and 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 traditional matter colliding and creating the carbon molecules eventually. And then that it all winds up here. Yeah. At Walmart. That is the most <laughs> at Walmart, dude, that is the most tremendous thing ever to think about.
2: That for me is slightly tragic when you walk into Walmart and you're like, wow.
0: It all led up to alive.
2: this. In Walmart right now and this is whack this is out there
0: this 83 year old woman is saying hi to me with like a shortness of breath and she's getting <laughs> eight she's getting 825 an hour and I'm like why do what, are, what how, how are we doing this to ourselves like, we should be so elated that it came to this point and that we have a chance to experience all this like I don't even care. I'm not even trying to be spiritual about that. Just think about the statistics of that. Like, it's pure insanity. But anyway.
2: Have you ever had any sort of, like, out-of-body type experience or even, you know, even entheogen experience, which is when you um, think otherwise?
1: I meditate a lot. I've been doing TM for years. You know, like, and I, I love it. And definitely... The first time I did TM, I was actually in India with this buddy of mine, Johnny, and we were there on a music sort of trip. We stayed for a month and we were trying to make a record in Delhi. And um, I was just having like a really hard time. Like the trip was just it was just really difficult trying time for me. And he was like, man, you should really try TM. And he went and like paid for the, you know, the David Lynch class. That's like a thousand bucks or whatever to learn. You know, I don't know if you know this. David Lynch has like that whole TM Foundation. Um, wow!
2: I like, don't know. I don't know what TM stands
0: for. Transcendental oh, meditation.
1: Yeah. Can so, you explain
0: to the viewers a little bit about the, the core tenets of transcendental?
1: It's really cool. I mean, I can. Ex- I learned it from someone who wasn't supposed to teach it to me. Like you're supposed to go pay for the class and learn it, probably a very specific way. But I learned it just from my buddy, and I've gotten a lot out of it. The way I would explain it in my own personal, um, you know, understanding of it is that you just have like a million thoughts and external things just like sort of hitting you in the face at all times. Mm. And the idea of TM, at least in my understanding, is that you have this mantra, you like get yourself into this very comfortable place and then you sit and close your eyes and you repeat this word, this, this mantra, which is essentially like a nonsense word in the sense that it doesn't have any ties or relation to anything in your life. Like you couldn't use the word like kitchen, because then every time you said the word, you'd think of your kitchen and you'd think of all the baggage that comes with. So this mantra is just like this nonsense word that you just repeat over and over. And when you're doing it, the idea is that like the act of just saying the word over and over rather than, you know, like thoughts still come into your head. They still like come at you and then you just say the word and when you say the word they sort of go like to the other side of mm-hmm. your i don't know how to even explain mm-hmm. it
3: yeah yeah
1: it's like the act say of that. saying that word over and over it does this thing where you start to experience all of that anxiety and all of those thoughts as things that you have the choice to acknowledge or not oh you know like like it trains you to be like well i can i can like recognize it without engaging with it You know, like, and that was a skill that Mm. I
3: didn't
1: really understand. Like, anger or fear or anxiety, like, it's gonna be there, but you don't have to necessarily engage with it. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't have to like respond to it. You know, you can just like see it there and just let it go somewhere else. You know what Mm. I mean? Like,
2: for me, because I'm having trouble actually picturing it. Would you mind telling me which word you say, or would that ruin it?
1: Well, you can just Google like this. What well, you know? It's funny because I'm sure somebody, if somebody listening to this is like really into it, they're gonna be like, "This redneck, he doesn't even understand at all." <laughs> like I, my friend told me his. He's like, "I'm not." They tell you never to tell anybody what your I mantra figured. is. Yeah. I and figured. so, but he, he t- I'm gonna just tell you this because I thought it was really funny. He told me his, which was Shireen, and then I started using that as my mantra. And then I taught a couple friends, and I told them that word. And then at some point. I was just like, oh, you know what? A quick Google search would probably clear this up in my mind. Like, how special is this? So I Googled, like, TM mantras. And it turns out there's not that many. And, like, Shreem is, like, one that they give to pretty much everyone of a certain age group. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not supposed to know that. You know what I mean? Like, right. in the teaching, they tell you, like, this is super secret. And you never tell anyone what your mantra is. I don't wow. I, don't, I might be blowing it and messing it up somehow, but even with all that said, I still get a lot out of it. Like, yeah. you know, even if I'm doing it wrong, it's still like in that 20 minutes, you just sort of like, like, first of all, 20 minutes seems like a long time, but when you are doing this, it just flies by. It's just yeah. gone, you know, and like, and it also does this thing where like, it tells me what shape my brain is in, you well, know, like, If you've had too much coffee or like maybe you didn't sleep enough or like do you ever get that weird feeling when you're like ill where it sounds like uh, there's like a low frequency cycling thing happening in the room or like I don't know how I'm sure everyone experiences this stuff differently. But like some days my brain feels cloudy. Some Mm -hmm. days it feels really sharp. Some days like it feels like there's a lot of things happening. You know what I mean? Like there's just so much going on and then some days it's quiet. And as soon as you do TM, it's like, you know exactly what kind of day it is or something, mm. you know, like, you know what shape your brain is in because right. sometimes you sit down and you start saying that word and like, literally no thoughts come into your head. Like, and then mm-hmm. other days you're just like, Oh, like second grade, what was his name? That teacher. And then like, Oh no, I have yeah. to like, there's just like a million.
2: Yeah. Do you ever have either of you do thoughts ever just enter your head that are so not you that you're amazed that they could even just pop into your head like that?
0: I want to say, yeah. I, w- I wish I could remember some things.
2: I'm talking like, wow, wow, this might gonna make me look bad. But uh, <coughs> something you'd be like, why would I ever in my whole life think that? wow if i'm alone here that's gonna be weird
1: i'm sure that happens to everybody i'll I'll make
2: a point of it okay. sometimes and actually i actually cannot say that this has happened recently at all and it doesn't worry me personally or anything like that like i don't feel like i something's wrong but i just when i'm thinking and i'm all these sentences are flying through my head and i know some people think differently some people don't even think in words they actually think in abstract ideas which is really crazy um, a literal sentence will fly through my head and it'll be read aloud in my head. And then I'll be like, why did I just think that? Probably something very negative usually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, I don't identify with that at all. And what I wonder is, one, where that's coming from, and two, why was it able to simply jump into my head without any sort of impetus not it's not like i was watching the news it's like i'm driving on the highway or i'm like walking in the front door and i'll be like hit by it and i'll be like wow that was nuts
0: mm. well the kashik records I, I remember the second uh, science police thing the kashik records are kind of what scientists are trying to study right now which is called uh, uh, uh the science of genetic memory um oh yeah. uh, come on help me out on this
2: I feel like genetic memory is a fine way to describe it.
0: It's it's the science of genetic memory. It's like the same reason, for example, you breed generations of generations of chickens, right? Inside a lab, they've never seen the outdoors. Okay.
3: Mm. E-
0: even like 15 generations later, you show them a hawk, a hawk. Yeah. That's it. They're they're going nuts. They're like, that's it. It's game over. We have to hide. They're freaking out, but they've they don't they've right. never seen hawks for years. You know what I'm saying? That's genetic memory. So in my idea, and the, there's some efforts to try to see if there's any evidence to this, is that sometimes we get bursts of like traumas or just random experiences from our DNA, our ancestral DNA. Mm and it floods in, and a lot of people think those are maybe spirits or your ancestors talking to you or whatever, I think it might literally be genetic data that has been imprinted in you and carried on. Why do people, for example, say, like, if you have a history of alcoholism, you know, you might become an alcoholic, or they might say, hey, your your father, you've never met him before, but you act just like him you know you're Mm -hmm. you got a temper that same way blah 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 that's what that is you know what i'm saying
1: yeah i mean that stuff is frightening you know to think that we have like i i like to think that we have a measure of control Mm. (laughs) but but that stuff is it's scary to think that like so much is predetermined um Mm -hmm. and even down to like just like how you experience the world is predetermined, like your anxieties and mm-hmm. your fears. You know, like that's, uh, I'm sure you can do, I mean, if, if that is true and evolution exists, you would think that like those genetic memories change over time as we find more comfortable ways to exist, mm-hmm. you know, like over generations, like maybe you get better at those things like, you know, like over generations and generations. And then like our great, great, great grandchildren, like their genetic memory will be some of the positive things that we did. I like like that. To buck that system, you know?
0: (laughs) I like how you said that. That's a good idea, actually. Live your best life so that your children will have nice genetic memories. (laughs) (laughs) That's deep. That's deep, dude. You said that. That's deep, bro. Yeah.
1: you don't want that to i good. mean giving into that stuff is that, like that's my main goal in life i think is just to like not give in to what i feel like is you know like predi- what feels predisposed which for me is anxiety Is like mm-hmm. i'm just in, like oh that is just here there's nothing that i can do and i feel like mm-hmm. that is a worthwhile pursuit to like try and become its master you know
2: <laughs> like and you feel like medit was anxiety something that you would uh say that you suffered from
1: oh i mean still i just like have like irrational fears just like you know like uh the phone rings and it's a number i don't know usually i jump to like I what see. is the you know what is the worst thing it could be and okay. it'll be like, completely re- like let's say i went to the doctor for a physical three months ago and everything came back normal and then i get a call from a number that's in like the same town my Mm -hmm. mind immediately jumps to like oh they must have like mixed up the record then they're calling to tell me that i actually am dying completely
2: (laughs) i'm nervous i'm nervous when my laptop doesn't uh pick up the internet when everything's working perfectly Um, and I'm Dude. like, wow, they re- they got to me now.
0: Okay. <laughs> all right. I was like, we should have stopped months ago. What are we doing? <laughs> I had a, it happened
1: it, this I had morning. A, I uh, updated. I updated yesterday, and it took like a little longer than I thought it should to, uh, <laughs> to like finish the scrolling bar. And I was having a full on meltdown because I've been doing all of these string, and I've been doing these big band arrangements for this client, oh, and they're God. like, they're like, you know, pages and pages, and they're all saved on my computer and i just had this meltdown moment of like why am i not saving these on a cloud my computer is the weak point in this whole equation
0: right (laughs) oh my god oh my god did you start meditating
1: i dude i had like i just shut the thing and walked away for a while and came back and finished
0: sure i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure sure.
2: (laughs) that's awesome i'm gonna have to try that i need to try i've tried different mantras but literally like something longer. For example, like I am love. But I wanna try I want to try that because I've never truly done that. And then the other form that I really practiced for a while was just clearing my head and trying to keep it as clear as possible, which I realized after a lot of practice, and there was a point where I was practicing a ton, I really got better at it. And now today when I sit down and I, I have not been practicing, um, or the times that I have sat down recently, I'm like, damn, dude, this, my mind is not in shape. Mm-hmm. That's a good way I could put it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel do like- You guys have, do you, do, you, do you have this thing when you play sometimes where like you are just like improvising even like a solo or something and like all of these other thoughts are popping into your head and mm-hmm. you're like, oh shit, I wonder if I'm going to miss this next chorus or you know what I mean? Like I just am like, oh shit, my mind has been wandering. Mm-hmm. I've been on autopilot through this whole verse like <laughs> right.
2: exactly. sometimes something catches your eye yeah <laughs> an audience and you uh, miss you miss a, a chord
0: but you'll get back, <laughs> you'll get back you know on what I'm saying <laughs> but uh well in a way because music is kind of meditative and that's why if yeah. you actually let it do let it do its thing. And, and like we just talked with Kurt about it, if you actually just let your the music take you, then you are in a meditative state. And then when you snap out of that, that's your ego coming in and yep. telling you, why mm-hmm. did you forget that you might have left the stove on? Yeah. <laughs> why Whoa. did you forget that you might have done that maybe? <laughs> you know Here's, what I'm saying?
1: You know what's really, I this is something that I find to be so interesting and lucky for us, and it goes back to the job thing we were saying we have one of the few jobs in the world that is actually a prerequisite that you are present of mind. When Mm. Mm -hmm. When you go on stage and we play music, not only like you're allowed to be, but you have to be. Otherwise, the audience doesn't like it and the music isn't good. Like, so we're paid and encouraged to go meditate and just be present in the moment, like once a night. Like, I just find that, like, so incredible. You know? That's <laughs> a yeah. great point.
0: That's and a great point. It's now, therapeutic, no doubt. Now, imagine you're putting on a show like, you know, Justin Timberlake, and you know that you got to do the one-two step over this way in a oh. and a 329, and you got to hug this little girl right here and spin <laughs> her around, and then she's got to flash her, and then whatever. You're thinking about all these things. Like, you totally are killing it at that point. Like, you're ruining it. You're, the purpose of the music, it has now turned into a purely yeah. sadistic sex thing <laughs> no but you know i mean well, not to be facetious but a little bit you know
1: the flip side of that though is that like maybe some people's brains like if you zoom out you know if i listen to like art tatum or something mm-hmm. like it's crazy it's so far beyond what my brain can mm-hmm. do on an improvisational level that i i you know like maybe some of these big performers like it is just a muscle for them that they're yeah. flexing like improvising mm-hmm. hugely I'm sure that's... intricate thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean like this trapeze thing and singing and like mm-hmm. like maybe they are making like crazy small changes every show that are like right. mind-blowing you know, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I don't, know. I don't know.
0: I mean, that's a good point. If we can stand up there and play like ridiculous solos, that people are like, How are you thinking so much? And it's yeah. like, oh, Actually, I'm not thinking. I'm Did not. you know that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: you know, it's like, Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you can, I think you can hear that. And like my favorite players, like Errol Garner, favorite piano player, hands down, like mm. if I could play like anybody, it would be him. And he just sounds like pure fun. Like when Mm -hmm. he improvises, it's just like so fucking aggressive and confident and fun. And he never, you never hear him thinking. It just Mm -hmm. always sounds Mm -hmm. like he rules.
0: His (laughs) live shows are so good, dude. How's he so good? He's just like smiling, doing the whole thing the whole time, bro. And he's absolutely killing it. And it swings like crazy. Oh like God. every every single phrase he does, it's like, eh, eh, eh. you're like, oh, <laughs> I love that. And his left hand is like, the way he comps is
1: so yeah. weird and different. Like, he'll like comp triplets over the whole solo. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like, yes. such a weird thing. To, and it swings so hard. Yeah. When you listen to the left hand, you're like, why is it going bump, 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 bump. It's like... <laughs>
2: I'm gonna listen to some more Errol Garner here soon. Uh, yeah,
1: he's a monster. I got the concert by the sea transcriptions and was like going through a couple of those. It's humiliating, like just the size, of, <laughs> yeah. like some of the the reach yeah. on the stuff. I'm like, well, I'll just I'll never be able to do that. <laughs>
0: uh, you got your own thing going on, Robert. And you know, it's funny, nobody can call you a hillbilly. Yeah, you don't even believe in anything. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But then nobody can say you're 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 whatever. I mean, the transcendental thing. But I was going to ask you about what is with the transcendental thing um, that has just it reached everybody everywhere. I'm pretty sure it's the biggest meditation practice that's mm-hmm. ever existed all of hollywood is in it all of the biz business, ma- business magnets are in it but it's like i don't know because i feel like if people were really doing that intensely hollywood wouldn't exist anymore you know what i mean
1: well it's i mean i think it's people that have just a ton of shit going on right it's like this it's like uh it's like Adderall or something you know like yeah i could see that it's addictive for those kind of people because they they get that 20 minute break and they're able to deal with their intense like lifestyles, you know. Mm-hmm. I would imagine a bunch of like really heavy business people do it too. That have to go like fire a hundred people and like mm-hmm. move millions of dollars around or whatever, you know. Like <laughs> <laughs> they're,
0: they're like this. They're like they're like this. They're like three thousand. Yeah. Not fire fire them, I guess. Fire, fire them. Fire. And then they're like. Hmm. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's just yeah. a funny image to me. But.
1: I don't know how you can do like those are the jobs that i'm like i don't know how anybody like i have stress yeah i play music you know
2: (laughs) straight we were reading about some of the biggest iron ore mining companies in africa that are based in like sweden and denmark and i'm looking at these guys who are like and then you know they're like the reason we were reading is because they got into a lawsuit with George Soros, and they ended up crashing the economy part in Guinea. And I was looking at these guys, and I was like, wow, to own a mining company that mines iron ore in Guinea, I just can't fathom that, for example. That's just such a crazy thing. And Like, actually, that's
0: what you wanted to do? You're like, let's go to Guinea. Let's tell all these people they got to work in the worst conditions. Then we're going to grab the iron and run. What do you think? They're like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> follow, follow your passion. <laughs> follow your
1: passion. <laughs> follow your
2: passion, right, right, right.
1: People's passion is money. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's, yeah. That is another thing wholly different about what we have chosen to do with our lives that is hard to explain, especially to, like, your uh, parents and, like, you know, when you're starting out yeah. in this career, like, People are like, well, what about money? You're like, I'm actually not thinking about that. They're like, Well, that's your first mistake. That's what you're supposed to think. Right, about. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they
2: always say, Why didn't you go into the orchestral field? You're gonna make so much money. I'm like, I know. Yeah. But I just I can't I can't sit through it too.
0: I just don't see the point. You know, I don't look it's like it's the same thing we're doing. We know money's bad, but you need it. Yeah. Okay, fine, fine. Okay, fine, fine. I get it. Okay. What else? We know that two-party system is bad, but uh, we need it. Okay, we need that too. All right. What else? We what else? know that iPhone
2: do we is made by slaves. We
0: know that iPhones are well, made by slaves, did. but we need them. You know what kind of? And it's like, can we have the choice to actually fix these things? Oh yeah, we can. It would be as easy as simply to say, you know what, guys, you're gonna have to make this another way. Yeah. And then we'll buy yeah. it.
2: You need a majority. Guess
0: what? They would shit bricks and be like, okay, one second. Give us two months. We'll give you something.
2: Yeah. We would need the total population to do that. You not know, just a small well, percentage. Well, yeah, but,
0: you know, it's... So, the solutions are, like, actually pretty simple, but we love to say it's not... They're um... Yeah, they're
2: feasible. They're definitely feasible.
1: Well, anything you want, do it now. Like, that's... I have that written down on my desk. Mm. Like, like, do good. it now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause it's not like making a plan. It's just, it sucks. Just like do it in the moment. Yeah. Just take it. a step. I like that.
2: Take yeah. a step in that direction. Get off the couch
0: as a, uh, one of my favorite YouTubers has said. What do you want to say to the people closing off? Anything you got to promote Robert? Let us know.
1: I'm not doing much. Um, yeah. Just everybody stay sane. And uh, I like hope that I can come back out in the world and see people soon. Um, yeah.
0: You said you were recording something in the studio?
1: Yeah, we just finished producing a record for this guy, Zach Williams, and um, um, just produced this thing for this guy, John Rule. I, we did like five records this year, and they're all coming out um, pretty soon. And we got a couple more we're working on. Um, and yeah, I'm just staying busy. It's, uh, it's fun stuff. I got tonight, I'm doing my first, uh, a friend of mine is an uh, orchestral player And she also does arrangements, um, you know, like string arrangements and horn arrangements for people. And she's doing this uh, monthly composers symposium thing where we're all just going to get on Zoom and, like, show each other what we're working on. And so when we get off, I'm going to go, like, make sure I have, like, dynamics written and the most (laughs) recent thing I'm working on so I don't embarrass myself. But, yeah, I'm just, like, trying to stay busy and musical and, yeah.
0: Are you at the liberty of sharing that big orchestral project that you thought you had like totally deleted or something?
1: Oh, that's this guy Jeff Klein. So he was in a rock band uh, called My Jerusalem, and we're doing we're just making it. three songs right now as a proof of concept, but we're trying to go full like sinatra size uh, band. Oh wow! You know, like so it's just it's so fun. It's that's like awesome. I've, I've been getting all of these Quincy Jones arrangements oh. um, and just like dissecting them and putting them into finale and like, you know, putting them in different keys and just seeing what like the masters do mm. with stacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a cool,
0: a fun project. Dang. Wow. I need to get yeah. on that. Like where, where can I, can you send me some of that? Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah, dude, I
0: have tons of, I,
1: you know, I'm like going to be without ever doing like college and becoming a teacher. I'm going to end up having, like, I just love sheet music. So on eBay and stuff, I'm always oh. like, oh, cool, a full score to, like, this crazy, like, I'm just buying all of it, so I wow. cool. you can't get it anywhere. Yeah, I just want to have, like, a huge, that's what I'm building my bookshelf for, is Dude. for that library of music.
0: <laughs> if you had, like, the, if you had the full scores for, like, you know, oh. Off the Wall or something, you know, or, like, Thriller, you'd be mm-hmm. like, what?
1: It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, need that. I mean, even just, like, seeing, like, what Oliver Nelson wrote, For like the quartet, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like that stuff is so cool to just see how he thought about organizing three. Oliver
0: Nelson, like stolen moments. Oliver. Oh yeah, like that. Like
1: I would love to just look at the the arrangement for that, like how he decided to stack it. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: God dang, boy. Hey, Robert ellis everybody we're gonna link all his instagrams facebook's projects other albums he's done etc etc we're gonna do another episode in the future we want to do an episode here in studio with you at some point here okay it's gonna happen don't tell me it's not gonna happen i refuse to hear that (laughs) and um that's it it was a pleasure my man thanks thanks robert great to meet you man
1: yeah likewise
0: hope to see you in the near future Okay, and uh, I'll let you know when this thing is done, and uh, we're going to chat real soon, okay?
1: All right, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. See ya.
3: Bye.
0: Bye.